and Kevin O'Connell closed Vikings practice the other night by saying at our stadium, we should never, ever see the other team's colors in the stands. I don't want to see any green. I don't want to see any yellow at U.S. Bank Stadium on September 11th. He's new here. <laughs> he is very new here. I dig the enthusiasm. I like the idealism that he's coming in with, that he wants to completely take things over uh, and 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 put his stamp on it. But I think he's going to find out quickly that the cheese has a way of slipping through the cracks um, in any way, shape and form. That's just what uh, what it's so good at over the years. And it's that's going to be a hard mandate for the Vikings fan base to uh, to uh, adhere to because uh, they just find a way to sneak in some way and somehow. Uh, they always do, and they will again on September 11th. I am looking forward to that game. That's going to be a blast. Hey, this is the Viking Update Show, part of TalkNorth.com. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. This is one of our two football shows on TalkNorth.com. The other is Jeff Diamonds, Vikings and NFL Insider, with the former Vikings general manager. Our producer is Brianne Burdett. Of course, you can find all of our shows at TalkNorth.com. We recommend subscribing at your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Thank you to StarBank, StarBank.net, and TSR Injury. Law. All right, so let's get into uh, Kevin O'Connell praising his kicker, once again trolling Mike Zimmer intentionally or otherwise. So when a Viking coach praises a kicker, uh, how many weeks later does the kicker get cut? It's it. That, that's that was another one that was clearly like, okay, you are new here, coach. This is the this is uh, not what we do around these parts. Is praise the kicker, say that he's you know that you don't even worry about him at all. That as soon as he makes contact and you hear the thud with the uh, foot to the ball, that you know it's going in. Uh, that is an absolutely unique statement to hear from a head coach in purple not just mike zimmer but i think mike tice and 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 brad children so many people who have come before them so if ever we we've been talking so much about how this regime is different from the last how this coaching staff operates differently from the zimmer's coaching staff the positivity all those things but that there is example number one with a bullet on a new day in Vikings land, the head coach just saying, Greg Joseph, don't worry about him one bit. He is uh, you know, rock solid. Um, that just seems to be tempting the football gods and, um, and, and, and just kind of inviting more scrutiny and, and some sort of catastrophe down the road. It's clear that Kevin O'Connell ha- does not have the purple psychosis that so many Vikings fans have lived through. And we'll see if that positivity can turn things around. But boy, that's uh that I, I, I cringed a little when I, when I heard him say that, because that is uh that's walking out on a limb that not many people will do in these parts. Pretty amazing that uh, he does have a career field goal percentage of 86.2 last year with the Vikings. It was 86.8. Of course, he's, in the league for really two full seasons, but uh, he's been good. You know, he's been a good kicker. Eighty-six point two is. Do you remember the days, John? <laughs> and I don't think I don't think many modern younger NFL fans realize this. Field goals used to be a coin flip. Yes, 
you know, quite, it's almost like uh, the three-point shot used to be a desperation strategy for when you're way behind, and now people just shoot it like it's nothing. Uh, well, the field goal used to be a difficult proposition, and you wanted to get as close as possible, and, you know, you really weren't counting on the guy making it. You were just hoping you would make it. Now, if somebody misses a 49-yard field goal, fans want him run out of the league. Yeah. It's, it's, so 86.2 is a remarkable percentage, especially for a guy who's already been with three teams. For sure. And and I, I do think that in some ways, and I, I've we've had conversations with current kickers and former kickers about this kind of phenomenon that has come into uh, to vogue over the last, I don't know, maybe five to seven years now where these kickers have gotten to be so good that missing a kick is an event in and of itself. And I think that it has almost raised the bar too high. It's whatever you want to call it, the Justin Tucker syndrome or, 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 or whoever, because yeah, yeah. Because it's just, it, 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 it's expected. They are expected to be perfect. And this is not a profession that you can be perfect in. There is very little wiggle room for error, but yeah, I remember growing up, I mean, you know, the Chuck Nelsons of the world where at one, the short extra point was an adventure. You, you held your breath literally and said, Oh, is he going to make this? And, and you just never knew what was going to happen. And then it wasn't until, I mean, gulp, but Gary Anderson came around in like 1998 where you really started to think, okay, like this is this, he's got this, this is going in. There's no problem. I mean, they, they had some, other good kickers through the years, Rich Carlos and, and and several others, but even those good kickers where the the percentages were a lot lower than even some of your quote unquote shaky kickers today. Greg Joseph has been good. And in practice this year, to give Kevin O'Connell credit, he's been great. Like he's hitting 58 yarders. He's he is really seems to be locked in. He he's rendered any even whiff of a competition um null and void as as far back as june i mean when we were watching him in the otas and watching how he kicked it versus how their other guy and i can't even remember the guy's name was kicking it um it, it was just night and day you could just tell like this was not a competition at all so um credit to greg joseph credit to a lot of these guys around the league who have just gotten so dialed in but yes it's it has gotten to a point now where you miss one and up oh, this guy's falling apart it's all over and maybe kind of that's where some of the logic of Kevin O'Connell's approach to this position comes in whereas you know he is he is giving unfettered uh clear cut confidence in his guy and so that could also help this team, whether if Joseph goes into a little mini slump, if he goes one for three in a game, if he if the if just something doesn't go right, if he if he misses one that he sh that he should have made, uh, I, I think that if the coach establishes early that I believe in this guy, this he's going to be good. He is our kicker. You can weather a few more ups and downs. Whereas when you know Zimmer was here or or several others, even Tice was another one. When your coach, when you know your head coach is is kind of looking at the kicker as a necessary evil and 
um, and, 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 and really scrutinizing and, 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 and pawing over every single kick, you know that if one goes wrong, you could be out the door. And so if Kevin O'Connell can establish more of a, a baseline of support and confidence, it could help Greg Joseph, just his state of mind as much as anything. And for, for a kicker, a, a clear state of mind is, a, is an enormous thing to have going into a season. I actually wish they would make field goal kicking harder so it wasn't such an easy bailout for a coach. Oh, yes. fourth and one at the 33, we'll just kick the 50-yard field goal because I know my guy's going to make it. I'd rather see them feel like, well, the 50-yard field goal is a coin flip, so I'm going to go for the I'm going to go for the fourth and one. I'd rather see football players deciding games. And I I just wonder if maybe they should not have kicking balls. You know, you want to, you want to kick a long field goal. You're using the same football that just got used on that on the third down, and good luck with it. You know, and I I just because to me, I, the only time I want to see the field goal kicker on the field is as the clock is running down at the end of the half yeah. or the game, uh, or you know, I, I just don't like it as the these kickers have become so efficient that they allow the offensive coach to chicken out. Yeah, it's a safety blanket for sure. And yeah, I think that when you look at just the gameplay overall, uh, seeing a team go for it on fourth down, fourth and one, two, three, four, maybe fourth and five or six even, uh, is a more exciting play than seeing a kicker line up for a 47-yard field goal or even a 50, 51-yard field goal. Um and so it's always, yeah, it, it's easy. And, and coaches, you hear coaches say it all the time, just take the points, take the points, take the points. And if from a strategy perspective, it's true. Maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe a way to reduce the, um, the, the reliance on kicking or the frequency of kicking is to reduce the value of the kick. Right. It, I've said that the, before, too. Do you make it one or two points? Do you make it two points or something like that? And does that change the math involved? Does that change, you know, how how teams go about it? Because now if it's a if it's a potentially a five or six point difference between a seven and eight versus um, versus three versus two, maybe that does increase the incentives. Because, yeah, I, I, I do agree overall, nothing against the Greg Josephs of the world, but um, the more times you can get an offense in its own in uh, enemy territory going for it on fourth and longer than one, uh, that's where you know momentum can swing and that's those are those really exciting uh, plays that everyone tunes into. So um, I would be all for that if there was some kind of measure to just kind of reduce the reliance on kicking and make it more of the 11 on 11. Uh, team sport that everyone loves so much. Yeah, I agree. Make it two points. That's what I think kickers are for. Kickers should be for tiebreakers and desperation yes. situations. And you're at the 40. And of course, you're going to try a 57 yard field goal if there are only three seconds left. And that's exciting. Those plays yes. are exciting because of the situation. And, if, you know, and hey, if you're tied in the last minute of a game, a field goal kicker can still win it for you. But it's not it, it's not the idea that, hey, if I kick five field goals, and score one touchdown, that's 22 points. That's going to be enough for me to win. Now you kick five. If you kick five field goals and are worth two points, score a touchdown, you get 17 points, uh, much less chance of winning mathematically. All right. So we just solved that problem. That was easy. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about an actual live 
active football player. We haven't done that yet. We're about 12 minutes into the show. First, though, I do want to thank uh, Star Bank and let you know that big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about Star Bank. Star Bank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at Star Bank and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be a throwback to the good days mobile app check, convenient services, you got it. Check out StarBank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. StarBank.net, member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. And also thanks, as always, to TSR Injury Law, which also probably the original sponsor of the John Krasinski Show, which is our basketball show, our men's basketball show, Timberwolves and NBA show here at TalkNorth.com. Also, you can check out our great list of sports hosts and other hosts, including Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, Royce Smalley, Lavelle Neal, Cheryl Reeve, John Millay, Jeff Diamond, and of course, John Krasinski. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. So Garrett Bradbury, a real live active football player. How's his camp go? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going great, Jim. And I, I, I admit that I'm kind of struggling with how much to be concerned about this. I mean, on the one hand, we know that Garrett Bradbury has kind of been on thin ice at the position for at least a year now uh, that the Vikings could use an upgrade at that position uh, to kind of help keep the pressure out of Kirk Cousins' face to just kind of solidify that offensive line even more. But I do think that there was optimism and there was hope that a new scheme, new offense, new coaches would help kind of unlock the full potential for Garrett Bradbury. He was a former first first round pick, has some athleticism, has some real intelligence to him. So you think like if there's a way to repackage things around him and harness that, maybe they will be okay there. Maybe maybe they can sort of unlock some of the things that um, that they just were not able to get out of him over the last couple of years. But he's just not performing very well in camp. You see him again, kind of struggling with the physicality in the in the in the few times the in in these practices where they have uh kind of put the full pads on and and went muscle to muscle he's still not holding up very well against that he just doesn't seem to be ultra comfortable yet in this in in this new system and and have a hand uh, a handle on things and usually during this portion of training camp, before we have played a preseason game, before anything of real consequences happened, almost all of the discourse around everyone is, well, he looks good. He's in the best shape of his life. He's he's uh, quicker. He's stronger. He's faster. He's bigger. He's he's leaner. Whatever it is that these guys all have worked through in the offseason and you're going against air a lot. And it's like, yeah, yeah, things progressions are going but you're just not seeing that from Garrett Bradbury Kevin O'Connell is still declaring this an open competition at center and so I think you know that is something that we have to watch closely going into these preseason games because this is a guy who historically has struggled and even through the quote unquote easy parts of practicing the OTA so far he just has not put his stamp on the position and is not really projecting this aura of, I got this and I'm going to make the improvements that I need to make. And 
that's a major, major position to have unsettled, you know, this far into training camp here. And so maybe once he puts the full pads on and gets into camp and or gets into the games and 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 really starts performing, maybe maybe it'll all click then and maybe it'll be fine and and we'll kind of look at this as much ado about nothing. But given that we have not seen him really sort of emerge and and you look at him and say, wow, that guy, he he's taking a step forward this year. I think that's gonna be perhaps the biggest position battle or, or position um, that we're watching in these preseason games, because we got to just see what the heck is going to happen there. What's scary is the bar is pretty low. They aren't asking him to be great. They just want him to be functional. And if he can't, if he's not inspiring confidence, they can be functional, then they have a problem. Right. And, and what, and look, we can, we can even connect this to the Greg Joseph situation in terms of Kevin O'Connell will tell you when he's happy with what he's seen from someone. And he is not, what we're also now learning with the, with the Bradbury situation is he's not going to exactly sugarcoat things when they're not going well. And so, um, you know, it's not like, Bradbury is trying to win over a curmudgeon as a coach. And there's just a, a guy who's not, you know, willing to really say a whole lot publicly and give him the pats on the back and, and, and things like that. Um, O'Connell will do that. Uh, but when, when that's not, ex- when that's not happening, that tells you that not only are the untrained eyes like myself and like a lot of the reporters who are watching this closely, looking at this and not really seeing a jump, but the coaches themselves are not seeing a jump yet either. I would assume that Kevin O'Connell would love to just get up there and say, man, Garrett Bradbury, he's had a great camp. Uh, He's our guy. He's starting at center. We're, we're locked in there. That way we can get all five men in the front kind of working together and trying to build some cohesion and chemistry and, and, and get everything slotted in and ready to go for week one. But he can't say that yet. And uh, there is still time. There's, there's a month left before, uh, before you open the season uh, on, you know, on September 11th against the the Packers. But, uh, but I think that you would definitely hope that, this is further along that Bradbury had has really asserted himself and he just hasn't done it yet. And, you know, you, you mentioned untrained eyes and reporters and all that. So, you know, we've both been covering football for a long time. We've both been football fans for a long time. I, I admit when I go watch soccer, I don't know exactly what I'm watching. I'm looking at results, not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, strategy or technique or, or inside knowledge, but football, it's, it's really not that complicated. I mean, the, 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 Exact techniques that you need to teach a center, that's that's complicated. The schemes, that's complicated. The language attached to the schemes can be complicated. Uh, but you know if a guy's playing well or not when you watch him in practice and in individual drills. It wasn't hard to tell that Randall McDaniel was great. It wasn't hard to tell, and it ain't hard to tell that Bradbury's overmatched too often. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, that... You like to say about these practices that, hey, everyone's working on something and I don't want to put too much weight on one or two reps that I see. That's that's clear. I mean, if if Bradbury gets beat by by somebody, by, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson over the top, whatever it is, um, you, you kind of just you file that away and you say, OK, that's interesting. Let's let's watch this again. But if you can definitely see. See, I, you know, I, I like to watch, but, um, but I'm not there every single day. 
Uh, so what I like to do as, you know, as much as I like to watch and look and see how these guys are progressing and see if I can kind of tell if they have a better handle on things, if I, if they're, um, if they're, you know, their body has changed in any way or, or things like that. Uh, but I also, I just really like to listen. Like I listen to what the coaches say. I listen to what the players say. Um, I watch closely as they, these questions are being asked and they, and, and they kind of go through some of the verbal gymnastics that you do at times. And you can always sort of feel when something is going well when something is going poorly. And I think right now for Garrett Bradbury, it's hard to say anything, but it's going poorly. And so that means I do think that he needs to have a big preseason to, to solidify himself, to, to get him there. And, and, you know, I don't know that it's out of the question, Jim, that if he really does struggle in the in the preseason games that if he doesn't make the team coming out of camp like right. that's i think that's i think that's in play cuz you know you you for when you look at the depth that they want to keep on that line and you want to have some versatility and swing players and stuff um it, it's possible that Garrett Bradbury is going to go into these preseason games playing for a job and um maybe that's not exactly what we expected but it also would be a sign of a little bit more of a meritocracy with him. He's gotten a couple of years uh, as the first round pick and the benefit of the doubt. And now it's kind of put up or shut up time. And so I think this is a huge preseason that is about to begin starting this Sunday for Garrett Bradbury to kind of try and uh, you know, win a job here because he's in a fight for one right now. A couple more topics for today. Once again, thanks to Star Bank, thanks to TSR Injury Law, thanks to our producer, Brianne Burdett, and thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod if you'd like to see all the shows as they are released. And again, we have tons of outdoor content and variety content, along with Mike Grimm and uh, Dave Lee, Boyd Solson, all the other new stuff we've added lately, uh, and, and the Pross Box uh, with Nate Prosser. We keep adding cool shows. Check them all out. Uh, has O'Connell told us yet – whether he's going to play his starters or how much he's going to play his starters in preseason. I don't think that's come up yet um, specifically because uh, I, I think as we get into this week now, the, you know, the Vikings had their night practice on Monday. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday morning. They are off on Tuesday. I would imagine Wednesday and Thursday we get a little bit more of a, of a, of a concrete idea on what he's going to do there. It is going to be interesting, though, Jim, because – I mean, on the one hand, especially offensively, you know, you have Dalvin Cook, you have Kirk Cousins, you have Thielen, Jefferson. They've been around. They you, you, they don't need to go through a bunch of um, a bunch of preseason reps. But it is a brand new system. It's a brand new operation. I do think that they'll need to be out there maybe a titch more than you normally would have your star players out there just to get a little feel like Kirk Cousins has to hear Wes Phillips in his, in his um, helmet calling plays, or if it's Kevin O'Connell calling the plays, like, like he's got to get into that rhythm a little bit. And I think that just kind of having them run some of this offense at full speed, even if it's only a couple of series, 
I do think it's going to be important, and it's going to be important for that offensive line, for Bradbury, even for Derrissaw, who, as much as we're concerned about Bradbury, it sounds like Derrissaw is having a great camp and that people are really happy with how he's coming along. But you want to see what you do at you know with Ed Ingram. You want to see what you what you do. Let, let Brian O'Neill continue just to get a feel for this entire new-look offensive line. I think they, they have a need – to just get a little bit of that under their under their belts, you don't want to play them and at, at, at risk of injury. And Kevin O'Connell has been very conservative with training camp and with OTAs in terms of the amount of contact that he has uh, exposed his players to to avoid injury. But I, I think if you asked the coaches and the players, like in their heart of hearts, they'd probably want to play a little bit more just to kind of get a rhythm because that week one game is so important with Green Bay at home you got to be able to um to to get off on the right foot there and so that that would that would lend me to believe that there might be just a little bit more of the starters being out there than you otherwise would normally see just to kind of start to get a feel for things and and really so they can hit the ground running in week one vikings at las vegas coming up a national preseason game and i i hate preseason but it's better than no game at all, I guess, sometimes. At least I say that until I see the second half and then it's uh, it's awful. Actually, it, it will be interesting. It'll be it'll just be interesting to see how they operate, who they play, how much they play them. And, and I'm also really interested in, you know, a topic that will hit hard next week, scene and booth. You know, how, how well are they coming along? They've, the, the reports on them at practice have been pretty good, but, you know, I'm sure they're going to get playing time. It'll be really interesting to see if – as rookies, they can look pretty good right away. Uh, give us one last final thought here, John. Uh, just a coin of redundancy. Uh, once again, thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. Uh, so, John, give me a, give me one more thought on Vikings training camp, what you've seen so far. Yeah, well, you mentioned Booth, and I do think that he has a lot of potential, and I think he's going to have, he, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to be really good. But I think one thing that's been encouraging for the Vikings early in camp is that Cam Dantzler has shown up with a sense of urgency, and he sees the writing on the wall, he looks at that kind of competition around him and says, okay, I got to get going here or else uh, I'm going to be on the outside looking in. And he has played very, very hard. And he looks a little, I don't know if it's if bigger is the right word, but he looks stronger. Um, he looks like he's ready to hold up a little bit more. And uh, he is coming in with a real chip on his shoulder and, and, and has really kind of risen to the occasion so far. Again, we'll see what happens uh, in, in the real games, but for a guy who was kind of teetering on the edge here to see the way that he has responded in the off season and come in ready to play. I think that's been really encouraging for a Viking secondary that needs some youth and some impact um, on the edges. And so to have him play like he has been, that's been, uh, that's been a good, good sign early on. Good stuff from John. Also check out the John Krasinski show. The Timberwolves are going to be fascinating and a lot of fun this year. And John's the best at covering that team and, and revealing what he knows about the NBA. Thanks again for listening to talknorth.com. And we'll, Hey, we'll have some, we'll have a, a football game to talk about next week.